facial expressions, speech, mannerisms, eye gaze, even eye blinks are important information to try to create bot-powered therapy. User voices can be analyzed to detect even signs of anxiety. A sensory wrist, ankle, or headband can monitor sweat, heart rate, and other physiological symptoms that, you know, might lead the bot to believe you're anxious. Hi, welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Have you noticed, Cindy, that artificial intelligence is everywhere in our daily lives, at work, at home, at play, and at rest? It impacts how we relate and interact with others, too. Definitely, Julie. It's actually a little scary. It would be hard to miss. We have the GPS, voice to text, autocorrect, e-banking, recommendations on social media, you know, that come up when you're just talking to a friend, and on streaming apps for movies and such. Yeah, there's even the Roomba robot vacuum cleaner and kitchen robots that can help around the kitchen with recipes and cooking techniques. Artificial intelligence can help do routine, repetitive tasks better and faster than we can, and it has applications in every field, agriculture, the military, the auto industry, healthcare, transportation. Where doesn't it? It's everywhere, and it's growing. Artificial intelligence saves us from boredom and monotony. It can do a lot of rule-based work, is great at multitasking and can process high volumes of data really quickly. Artificial intelligence algorithms are also becoming more creative. They can now do creative work like painting pictures, composing music, writing fiction, editing photos. That's crazy. It is. Lately, AI has been writing college-level essays. It's apparently sometimes hard to tell the difference between whether something was created by AI or by a person. I know some college professors that are having a hard time with that. And, you know, AI is learning now. It's getting smarter and smarter. It's such a crazy thing to think about. Our devices are watching and listening and learning from us all the time. And collecting our data. But that's a different issue. So yeah. when we were growing up, this was all science fiction. We're way beyond 1984. Well, except politically, but we're not talking about that right now. Okay. We use our devices to keep track of our sleep, our exercise, how many steps we take, and what we eat. And stress management and mindfulness have also become really popular. How about other aspects of our mental and emotional health? Well, affective computing, otherwise known as emotion AI, is actually a thing. It involves technology that recognizes, expresses, and adapts to emotions. Affective computer scientists analyze physical cues and physiological signals to help make AI more um, emotional. 
AI is even being used to identify and monitor mental health issues. It uses complex statistics and mathematical formulas, along with data like electronic health records, medical images, and even clinical notes to support mental health treatment. So AI can add clinical help for our overburdened mental health system. Well, that's good because over 58 million or about one in five people in the United States has a mental health condition. So we're definitely overburdened. And with life at least partly online now, affective computing is one way to help address the ongoing mental health crisis. In fact, treating mental health issues with AI is becoming a multi-billion dollar business in spite of a large portion of developers having absolutely no education or knowledge about therapeutic or counseling services. You might want to just check out our podcast about private equity. Mm -hmm. The American Psychological Association estimates there are more than 20,000 mental health apps available for download these days, and only about 2% are based on evidence. So there seems to be a rush to use emotional AI without full scientific validation or without hardly any at all. It's hard just to get agreement about different emotions and how they're felt and how they're expressed by different people in different cultures. But as usual, profit is the most important thing. As usual, AI-based mental health solutions are one attempt to solve the affordability and accessibility crisis of mental health care but they might be creating new disparities in care as well. Face-to-face -face therapy can be costly, and unlike a therapist, AI tools are available 24-7. They don't take vacation time, but a robot or an app cannot fully simulate the care that a human being can offer, of course. Yeah, I think. <laughs> People who can't afford in-person therapy, though, will probably be the ones more often ending up with bot therapists trained to nod and say, mm-hmm, at a hopefully appropriate points. Digital devices that help with emotions are also costly. So people will be encouraged to seek self-treatment through cheaper things like guided meditation or conversational bots. They can hope to get some help with a free download, but of course the full treatment will be behind a paywall. So while Emotion AI could help to fill gaps in care, it could also end up making new gaps. Yeah, that's capitalism. There are lots of groups working on creative ways to monitor and treat mental health issues and to build technology that can predict and model human emotions for actual therapies. Facial expressions, speech, mannerisms, eye gaze, even eye blinks are important information to try to create bot-powered therapy. User voices can be analyzed to detect even signs of anxiety, a sensory wrist, ankle, or headband can monitor sweat, heart rate, and other physiological symptoms that, you know, might lead the bot to believe you're anxious. Then just like chatbox that can talk you through problems online, when you're considering buying something or setting up an appointment, emotional artificial intelligence is being used to model techniques like certain aspects of cognitive behavioral therapy and to offer advice about anxiety and stress. Right. Engineers at the University of Southern California created Ellie, a virtual therapist that can detect signs of depression and PTSD. They created her to treat combat veterans. 
And Ellie doesn't work alone. She's used to gather information that a patient might not feel comfortable discussing with a human. Sorry, Ellie is not taking patients from the general public right now. That's a pity, not. <laughs> In order to work at all, emotional artificial intelligence systems, even ones that are as advanced as Ellie, they need simple psychological models and theories on emotions that are broken down so that they can be copied. AI cannot fully capture all the unique differences between people and their emotional experiences and all the subtleties. Not only that, but artificial intelligence is encoded with the weaknesses or biases of whoever programs it. Ellie, for example, is said to be a good listener, non-judgmental, and easy to talk to. That may be true, but it's always a risk. Absolutely. And easy for whom? I mean, tone and gestures are different among different people, different cultures. People have different values. Is Ellie going to understand their differences in values? I mean, there are bound to be missing pieces, no doubt about it. Right, Julie. Emotions are no hard science. And when they're produced artificially, they're bound to be lacking. That doesn't mean they cannot be helpful. We just have to be careful with what we think they can be used for. Affective computing actually is very promising in a lot of ways. Sure. But even physical changes like heart rate and sweaty palms don't always indicate the same thing all the time. Like heart palpitations can be a symptom of fear, anxiety, excitement, or maybe too much coffee. Everyone's <laughs> body and emotions are different. True. Still, with the great need for mental health services and the limited availability and access of therapy, emotion AI might be helpful in some situations. Well, during the COVID lockdown, there was an even larger need for services than usual. And it was then that the FDA expedited approval for apps and other technology that could help people experiencing depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and insomnia. Very few medical apps and wearables are reviewed by the FDA since most of them labeled wellness products are considered of minimal risk. So the FDA doesn't even need to review them. Wellness products also aren't subject to the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, what we all know as HIPAA. Right. So as more and more people turn to digital solutions for mental health issues and start downloading all sorts of apps for anxiety, OCD, stress, sleep, whatever, we as clinicians keep coming back to the fact that artificial intelligence cannot yet and may never be as sophisticated as a human, it can't really replicate the spontaneous, natural conversations of talk therapy. I'm kind of doubtful that it will ever really be able to do that, but maybe. There's a lot we didn't think would be happening that true happening. So much of therapy is about the relationship, though. Rapport has to feel a lot different with a robot. Psychology is both art and science. Clinical observation is an important part of it. Can a robot be trained in clinical observation and in developing a therapeutic alliance with its patient? That is the alliance part is such a good question. And it would just would it be just a manipulation of what a relationship looks like in air quotes or could yeah. it be real with a robot? <laughs> Technology is only as good as its creator. If it's encoded with incorrect information, that's what it will be offering as we have seen. Also, when you're talking to a robot, who holds the confidentiality? 
Is what you discuss with a robot shared and with whom? Where does all the information go? That's an extremely important question because we already have all our data collected all the time. Imagine if you're talking to a robot and it's owned by a big corporation and everything you say is recorded. How do you know what's going to be confidential? That is a huge question. Another therapeutic issue is that digital wellness tools tend to have high dropout rates. I mean, you're not really obligated to show up. There's nobody waiting for you except a robot. (laughs) So apparently only a small percent of users regularly follow through with treatment. It's hard enough with a human therapist for people to stay committed to treatment. You know, there's pain involved when you're working on something emotional. And have we learned nothing after all these years? Marginalized, underserved people, such as people of color, have so far been underrepresented in the research and development of emotion AI tools. Of course they have. Like everything else. AI is good at information and decision-making, but the solutions, they're kind of cookie cutter. You know it if you've ever tried it. AI can't really think outside the box. It can't act ethically. And it also can't offer unique responses in individual cases. Sometimes AI can create unique information synthesis, but people create the rules for AI to follow and their bias is in the algorithms. Right. So for example, Cindy, given the race of the patient or the socioeconomic status, the robot therapist will add this information to its data and come up with whatever bias it has been programmed to conclude. Should the prescription be refilled? Is this person paranoid or is there really increased surveillance around them? Are they being profiled? Is it dangerous for them to drive? What does the robot say? Some of the top emotion AI systems were found to have embedded racial bias. In 2019, the AI Now Institute, an organization that addresses the concentration of power in the tech industry, which is at AINowInstitute.org, called for a ban on the use of emotion-detecting technologies in decisions that impact people's lives, like in their work or potential work. There are a lot of ethical issues here. All of the algorithms, like we just said, require people to research, develop, and implement them. Is the person putting information into a machine responsible for its outcome? I think for now, our jobs are safe, Julie. That's a relief, Cindy. (laughs) AI issues need policies, regulations, and or a code of ethics, at least. There definitely needs to be more work to evaluate and regulate digital mental health products that depend on emotion AI. OneMindCyberGuide.org is a nonprofit that reviews mental health apps that are based on science with the goal of helping people to use technology to live a healthier life. And that is spelled one mind, but then P-S-Y-B-E-R guide.org, cyber for psychology. Check it out and look at the apps if you want to try them out. But remember, at least for now, if you can talk to a human therapist, that's probably for the best. Agreed. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Until next time, take care.